Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ocast Movies, Music and Gaming. Here with me, as always, is Dreadful Dan G. Hello, Dreadful Dan. Lick it. Lick it. <laughs> Let me lick your piggy cunt. <laughs> Straight out the gate. Straight no, out the gate for the Christmas episode. <laughs> right yeah, happy in. Happy Christmas, right everyone. Uh, uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to, to one and all. Um, and for those uh, that don't know, um, today we're going to be talking about the 1974 film Black Christmas. And for yeah. those that don't know what this, about, this is about, imagine, close your eyes, and imagine it's late at night, you're by yourself, then all of a sudden you get a phone call. Billy, <laughs> what's up this? Fuck you, fuck you, cunt, 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 picky cunt. <laughs> and all that. I guess you would think that that's pretty odd. <laughs> Let's have a listen.
Um, sorry about that uh, comment I made earlier. I just, I'm just, I'm so bloody impressionable. <laughs> I watch a film like this, and immediately I'm right on my phone, ringing up all my mates, um, <laughs> and some who aren't even mates, some who are just people, maybe through, you know, work contacts, business associates. Lick it, lick it. Uh, Dan, you wish your your name came up on the uh, <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> oh, sorry, mum. <laughs> Um, for those uh, for those that don't know, shall I, tell, shall I tell us a little bit a bit about this film, Dan? I think um, that's a good idea. Yes. Yeah. So for people that don't know, this is uh, Black Christmas, which was uh, it's a Canadian film, but it was originally released in America under the name Silent Night, Evil Night. Uh, it's a nineteen seventy four film that, uh, for a lot of people, was one of the films that kind of started the slasher um, genre. Um, it was produced and directed by Bob Clark, who, uh, talking about Christmas, went on to direct A Christmas Story. That blew my mind. Which is insane. That, um, is, that, that is crazy. That's a great film. Yeah, a it's very so weird. Film. <laughs> two, two Christmas films of very, very different types. Um, this film was written by uh, Roy Moore, I think it was. Um, it stars Olivia Hussey, who people film buffs will probably know as starring in um the original uh, Romeo and Juliet <laughs> film. Um Margot Kidder, who is committed suicide not too long ago, but she was probably more famously known oh. as um I mean she was insane. Uh she had a lot of problems. Um but she's known as the original Lewis Lane in the Christopher Reeve Superman films. Yeah. Um and John Saxon, who I'm a big fan of, um, he's great in this film. Uh, he died recently as well, I think, within the last year or so. Um, and he, uh, people probably know him as the guy from Enter the Dragon. Um, he plays a cop uh, oh. in this one. Uh, yeah, I wondered. I spent the whole film trying to put my finger on who he was. Um, yeah. He's in a lot of stuff, though, as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's done a lot. But I always think of John Saxon as this film and Enter the Dragon. Yeah. And he's great in both. Um, and yeah, so basically the story follows a group of, uh, sorority sisters, um, teenage girls. Well, they're, they're a bit older than teenage cause they're in college. Right. So they're like at the upper end of teenage. And that's one of the things that is quite important with this film and that Bob Clark wanted to make sure is that, um, he didn't want them to be like a silly horror stereotype, like girls, like running around like with next to no clothes on and being all ditzy and silly and just, you know, having sex and getting killed or whatever. He wanted these to be like women. And that's part of the, and what we'll go on to a bit later on, that's part of the whole dynamic of this film is to do with um, not necessarily feminism, but the, but strong, um, strong female presence and how that seems to emasculate the men surrounding this film, if that makes sense. Yeah. These aren't little girls, these are women, and they are a threat to manhood, basically. And this is kind of a reaction to that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we'll kind of get into that a bit. So basically all that happens is that um, they're in this house, they start getting weird phone calls, and basically they all start kind of dying one by one. Um, but basically, like, no one really realises that they're dying until the very end. It's just like, oh, they've kind of gone missing. Um, and we'll kind of get into that. So apparently it's inspired by the um, urban legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs and also about a series of murders that happened in Montreal. Um, hmm. And 
the film is originally going to be titled Stop Me. And they changed a few things with the with the script, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, for one thing they did um, is that Bob Clark said, I don't want to see the killer. I want it to remain a mystery. Nice. And uh, Roy Moore was really against that, that the whole thing he wanted, I believe, like a more fleshed out uh, villain. Yeah. And Bob Clark went, nope, I want it to be a mystery right to the very end. And that really pays off in a big way, in my opinion. Um, Although it does seem to be uh, controversial. That seems that seems to be an area of divisive amongst yes. uh, people who review it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you think it's a bad thing, then you're wrong. And you're yeah, <laughs> I hate you. Um, the budget was six hundred and twenty k dollars, which is pretty measly. A lot of the actors had to like wear their own clothes and stuff. Um, it was shot in uh, forty days, and a lot of it was a bit like makeshift. <laughs> Uh, apparently so um they did it on quite quite a small budget um it's become a bit of a cult hit uh it definitely inspired halloween and we'll come on to that um a few years later um and it was made into a 2019 film which i have not seen uh i don't know if you've seen it dan the remake i almost saw it because i almost watched it for this week <laughs> right um. <laughs> the wrong one that would have been good that would have been funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe we yeah. should watch that at some point. Yeah. So I guess like uh, I just how I first came to this film, I don't remember. I don't remember the first time I've watched it. I feel like I've watched it like forever. It's always been knocking about in one way or another. Um, I always loved how uh, I loved the ending. Basically, um, I loved the way it mixed the light moments and essentially that it's like there's an element here where it's almost like a teen, even though it's not teen, we kind of established that, but like a kind of college drama um, slash comedy slash just like, you know, they've got like characters who they're just kind of bumbling along with life and all this stuff. And slowly the kind of dark side and the evil and the horror side of it starts to seep into that world more and more until like by the end it is truly horrifying. And that final like two minutes is one of the best endings of anything ever, in my opinion. I fucking love it. Um, and it always stuck with me. And the fact that it's a, it is a Christmas film and it always gets... Um, and I'm one of those dickheads where at a party when someone goes, what's your favourite Christmas film? And someone goes, Die Hard. It's a Christmas film. I love it. Die Hard. It's my favourite. And I do love Die Hard. And I think it's a great film. And I am I would say that it's fine to say that that's a Christmas film because it does take place at Christmas. I'm always the dickhead who goes like, have you seen... Black Christmas. Yeah. That? Well, that is my favourite Christmas film, don't you know? Um, even though I don't know why I'd say it like that, as if it's some highbrow art piece or something, <laughs> and it's really and it's some fucking slasher flick. What did you say um, its alternative name was? Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, I bet you don't say that at the parties. Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> um, no. But then Black Christmas, well, the reason why it was called Silent Night, Deadly Night it's because they didn't want it to be seen as a black exploitation movie. Oh, interesting. Not. So um, that's why they called it that. Uh, interesting. And you can see why. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was all kicking off at that time. Black exploitation was in its heyday. Yeah. And uh, they uh, didn't want it to be you know, misconstrued, I guess. I don't oh, know yeah. if that's as in a positive or negative connotation with that. Not, I don't know. But um, uh, yeah, so that's why they changed the name. Um, Dad, what's your relationship with this film? This is the second time I've seen the film. First time was uh, with you 
probably... Oh, know, fuck, like, was it? Yeah, about like five or six years ago, maybe, around your house. Oh, God. Your memory is great, and mine is just fucking awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, okay. I actually, do you know what? I could actually tell you exactly when I saw it. Um, okay. Because Christmas. it was the day that we opened up the Cells Instagram account. Like that's going to mean anything to me. <laughs> what kind of fucking... What do you mean? We, 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 we sat there and started the sales Instagram. Yeah. And... Now defunct. Yeah. And we were like, we need to like post stuff. So I took a shot of that horrible image of the girl with the plastic bag on her head. Yes. And did it as one of our like first posts. Really? So that will be the first time I saw the film. Fucking hell, that's mad, isn't it? So we've actually yeah. got some... We've got some hardcore. Stuff here. <laughs> yeah. Real. So this is, this is like flowing through our our veins, man. That's so weird. Um, uh, Nicola uh, Asimov asks, uh, where can we watch this piece of art? Um, I don't... I've had it uh, on DVD and as a file somewhere for ages. I don't know where you can see it now. It pops up on Netflix every now and then, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah streaming on Amazon. If you're willing to cough yeah. up two quid or whatever. Yeah, fuck it. Just pay for it. It's really good. Um, but yeah, we're going to ruin it for you. <laughs> if, you <haven't, laughs> if you haven't seen it, we're about yeah. to dissect it. Um, right, should we take a break, Dan? And then should we go into like, just have a discussion about what happens in the film? What we think? Yep. Thoughts? Step. <laughs> Christmas let's let's go into it so uh we'll talk about like what uh, what actually happens so as we said there's these sorority girls I don't understand how a sorority works I don't understand it I don't know the Kappa Sigma arsehole or whatever their fucking names are <laughs> and like they've got this old woman living with them I don't I didn't understand it back when I watched it originally <laughs> I don't understand it now I've no idea what this American kind of college culture happens i'd be happy for anyone to kind of just write in and let me know but essentially it's a bunch of it's women. a big dorm room right yeah but exactly in big, house, a big whole house. house whole house yeah and a nice house so in this big dorm house where they all live they start getting um what starts sounding like just dirty phone calls because there's someone going i'm gonna lick your pig cunt and all this stuff and it's all a bit weird and then during the course of the film, they get worse. And what is really, and what I fucking love about this film is that these phone calls are genuinely horrific. For one thing, they've set it up so that you know it's coming, it's supposed to be coming from one person, yet there mm. are clearly like two or three different, very different voices and noises mm. happening that can't be done with a human voice. And they say that in the movie as well. They're like, was, it, was he using two voices before ever? And they're like, yeah. Um, and we know it's coming from... So there's an element here where it's almost supernatural, where it's showing you something that's inhuman because subconsciously, obviously, you're, you know that some, someone, a human person, can't do that, can't make... The, it's impossible, basically, to kind of make these noises. And yet it's presenting it in a real-world thing. So it's kind of making you really on edge because your brain is telling you that's not possible. Does that make uh, sense? 
Yeah, it makes sense. I didn't process it like that. I just thought this guy's completely unhinged and has got some serious, like, multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what it is, right? That is that is kind of the superficially what it is. But I think, yeah, yeah, subconsciously it's trying to tap into that thing of, like, they want to make you, make you realise that in the back of your head, you're like, I don't, this isn't something a human can do. Um, and that's what makes it truly terrifying. And one of the things which they bring up near the end, um, which you kind of, if you've been following along, you start realising is that the phone rings every time someone dies. Okay. Um, there's a phone call which plays in to the end, the very end of the film quite heavily, which we'll get on to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically they're all kind of staying together um, and there's loads of different things kind of going on. So you've got um, Olivia, who's Jess, I think, in the film. Is her yeah. name? Yeah. And she is, uh, she's, she's Juliet and um, it's in from Romeo and Juliet. Um, and she's very uh, smart, strong, like very nice, very personable. She's kind of like um, uh, the hero, basically the heroine yeah. of the piece. She's got a bloke called Peter who is a pianist. And during the course of the film, you find out that she's pregnant and she wants to get an abortion. And Peter is not happy. Um, He's a very intense young man. Very intense. And the film sets you up for the whole time thinking that he's the killer. Um, And he does this in many ways. They'll do uh, POV shots from Peter and the POV, and we use POV shots from the killer's perspective and we see him from Peter's perspective. So it's matching up. You will notice audio cues. There's a bit where he gets so, Peter gets so angry, he smashes up a piano and it makes a certain noise. And that certain noise is played across the film with bits with the killer, that specific uh, audio clip. Nice. So it's giving you audio cues to relate it back to Peter. The cop, uh-huh. John Saxon, like everyone's kind of like noticing him and being like, who's that guy? He's a bit dodgy. He's hiding yeah. out in the shadows. He's kind of dottering around. Um, at one point, um, like they're like, um, uh, Jessica's like, it can't be Peter because the first phone call, he was here. He was upstairs. Like it couldn't have been him because she starts thinking it might be him because he's like, he's like crying on the phone. We've already seen him really angry. He's calling her a bitch. Um, there's one point where he says like, you can't get rid of this baby. Like it's just like a wart or something. And then the killer uses that same line. Now the thing is the killer's been watching them throughout the whole thing. But he says that same line and she's that's where she's like, oh God, like fucking hell, it's Peter. Um, that's pretty that, shocking, that moment. It's horrible. Yeah, it's really horrible. Because the audience, to me watching, I was like, that's it, it's him. Mm, yeah, exactly. So you're like... but there's, For a second you know, and then you it, go, okay, well, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, maybe it's not. And then when it's you realise... Yeah, and when there's like the big, big fucking twist, Sash reveal, that the phone calls are coming from inside the house, then you think it is Peter. He was there at the beginning and all this stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then you start, and then that's when you see Peter at the end where he's like, Hey babe, like what's going on? And she kills him basically. It's how, uh-huh. how it ends. Um, but there's a shot the of end, someone's but, eye. That's right. Hiding yeah, in it the looks cupboard. like Peter as well. That's the thing. All the little, thought, this is, is that him? No. So apparently that was, as in, it's not the actor. I think that was the camera. It's not. Um, huh. And there was, and it then, really so, looks like him. Yeah, it does look like him. And all the shots of, um, there's a lot of the POV shots and there's someone like climbing and looking at things and opening doors and rocking the chairs, whatever. And that was a cameraman. So I think that was the cameraman. They just got him to stand in front of the camera. 
So weirdly, he was actually the killer. Really, really, he was just some uh-huh. man with a camera strapped <laughs> to his chest. Um, I could be wrong. I don't I think that was um, what they had uh, vaguely said. Um, so there's all these audio cues, and uh, yeah, so they kind of set it up that you're supposed to kind of think it's Peter. Um, but yeah, those little shots of like the eye, the frenzied eyes, and all this stuff—you never really see him properly. But he's very much—they mm. very much set it out to be like you know he's a he's a real person, um, and. Yeah. And so there's like, I've made some like notes as I was watching through. Um, You find out as well that it's not just the people in the house getting murdered. There's stuff happening outside the house. So for instance, they say like, when they get the first call, they're like, oh, it's that guy again. So immediately you're like, okay, this has happened to them before. Mm. Then later on down the line, you find out that there was a girl that was missing two weeks ago. Yeah. And you think, so it could have been that he killed the girl and then he called them, um, this girl that was missing, he called them. Maybe that was the first call. Then that yeah. first call you see in the film, which is, in theory, the second call, if we're going by my theory, um, yeah. you find that there's a little girl that's been killed in the park. You find that later yeah. on. They're like, oh, we found a little girl killed in the park. So maybe that second call was after he killed that little girl to the thing. So basically I'm matching up the murders that you hear about in line with the phone calls, which I goes on. Um, but yeah, like with that first call, you're pretty much straight out the gate um, hearing it. And uh, you've got these, that first call, you're hearing these pigs snorting. You're hearing him saying like, you big cunt and all this stuff. Let me lick it and all this stuff. It's really vile. Super, yeah, super vile, super sexual in a really horrible, twisted, disgusting yeah. way. But then it ends with a very, very calm, I'm going to kill you. And that actually rattles her character, Margot's character. Yeah, Barb. Yeah, and that's what, and for us as well, right? Because it's like, we've heard all these manic sounds and that's horrible. And then suddenly just having that very calm, sinister, I'm going to kill you is scarier than if he would have shouted it, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Fucking Yeah, no, I agree. Classy bit and the response of, like, of that character who's quite strong, sassy, uh, sexually... Kind of, uh, Ford. yeah, you know, she takes the reins of picking up the receiver and kind of like, you know, yeah, playing she's around the, with him a bit. Yeah. The fact exactly. that she's suddenly like, oh shit, she doesn't show it to the other girls, but you can see she's like a bit, uh, stunned by that. Yeah. And that's, so she's like, um, Barb is basically she's the nastiest character out of all of them. And I don't just mean because she's, yeah, like, you know, a bit sexually forward or whatever, but she is very much the like outspoken um, woman who is like, doesn't care about talking about sex or sex stuff. Doesn't care if she drinks or smokes. She literally goes out of her way and says like, you know, I don't, I hate this. Like no one says what they want and all this. So she's that kind of epitome of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like the outspoken woman or something like that. Yeah, like and that seventies, slightly more liberated, young, yeah, upwardly exactly. mobile woman. But, but like she, she does then turn a little way into being quite obnoxious. Yeah, that's why it, this is what kind of great, not grated on me. I mean, it's interesting to have this kind of two sides to her. There was one point where she was feeding booze to a kid at a Christmas party, and she's just yeah. being a bit purposefully nasty and all this stuff, and like unhelpful. nasty to the dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, unhelpful. Like, kid is missing. Um, yeah. And she's been a bit of dick about it. But she actually, like, so she dies, but she gets um, 
impaled by a unicorn horn. She literally gets killed by a horn, um, which is also obviously a phallic thing. You know, I love good phallus every now and then. Um, and yeah, she gets killed. But um, yeah, she was an interesting character. Apparently they said that Margot, um, in the actress who played her, was Margot very... Robbie. Margot, yeah, kid or whatever, um, uh, didn't speak much during the whole time on set um, and all that stuff. So I imagine that there was already trouble kind of going on. But I forget, because I always used to think with like the Superman films, I I do not understand how anyone sees this woman as attractive because she always looked like she chain smokes 100 cigarettes. She looks like she's just got dirty teeth, basically. Like that kind of... (laughs) Like David Bowie almost kind of mouth, where it's like someone who smokes for like forever and yeah. super fucking thin. But in like this, I was like, she's super pretty. Um, yeah. And it's a shame that she's just became such a mess afterwards, um, to be brutally honest. And what I also love about these phone calls and stuff and throughout the whole film is that there's this Christmas music mm. throughout a lot of these bits. So like this very jolly, uh, Christmassy, uplifting, lighthearted, um, sounds and music across this really horrible, dark, evil things. And that's, I think this is why um, it's a good idea having this at Christmas because there's that constant light and dark, literally in some cases, um, between both. And I think, yeah. um, and I will kind of come onto this theory again a bit later, but I see, I see like the idea that these women are going into like the real world after this, right? They're setting themselves, they're at college, they're setting themselves for the real world. Um, but also in terms of their life, but also their sexuality. And I think yeah. the kind of house represents that in a sense of you've got this family and let's, we'll leave Billy to one side for a sec as in the character, um, who's the murderer, whose name we hear. You've got the family kind of dynamic within it. They're sisters. They've got like a mother figure. There's all these kind of like boyfriend dramas and blah, 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 and all this stuff like daytime soap opera stuff kind of going on. Yeah, in the attic and like dotted around, it's a very, very dark thing. And I think that's kind of like trying to represent the world as in there's a really dark element and a threat to people and especially women um, that's out there. Um, And also there's this element of um, sexuality. Because if you notice, they talk about sex a lot, about being a virgin, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And there's posters with like naked people on the wall and everything's like free love or whatever. Um, and then you've got Billy who is the kind of take that kind of extreme dark side of sex Mm. basically. Right. Which is like, um, uh, that horrible perversion of someone that's maybe been like, you know, sexual abuse and all this stuff. And there's that dark side of like sexuality, which is like hidden away that is still like a threat to these young sexually empowered women or whatever so I don't know. Well, Maybe not all of them are Well, no, the, I mean, I definitely think that's there because so much of it, you know, in the trope of like horror films where the like sexually loose characters get killed off first, mm. you know, that's subverted here because that first character that dies is the one that's being mocked. That's right, yeah, for being a virgin. Being a virgin and not, you know. So I think there's definitely all of that in there. And like the best horror usually is rooted in some sort of like deep set sexual anxiety mm. it usually resonates uh, which is why Sam <laughs> some of the best horror is that that touches on the uh, sexual but um, yeah absolutely I think that's definitely here yeah um, and you're yeah, right and it's interesting to see how different characters 
with their different relationships and attitudes are dealt with uh, by the killer and by the director. Yeah. And it's also interesting, he, as well as A Christmas Story, Mm. he did Porky's and Porky's too. Yeah, Yeah, and that humour comes through in this film. There's a lot of Porky-style humour in this, like the fellatio um, number code and stuff, and everyone laughing at the stupid cop because he doesn't know what fellatio is. Um, But there is also a bit of that gaze there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, is, yeah. But there's I would something like, the leering, lurid gaze of the killer, or is it the director? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just touching on what you were saying earlier about the fact that, you know, the kind of twisting the, you know, sexual promiscuity of um, women and they're like the first victims or whatever. Um, and the fact that it's turned its head where it's like actually the innocent one is first. Um, and they kind of play up to that because she's they've established that she's like a virgin because Barb is like, I know a virgin when I see one or whatever. Yeah. Like it matters, but whatever. Um, and then if you look, like she's got like a fluffy toy on her bed. She's got a child's drawing of a flower on the wall um, and all this stuff. So That's so horrible. They've painted her as like the ruinous one and she's the first to go. And to be honest, like she's the first and last almost. Um and yeah, that's Claire, who becomes a bit of a driving force in the film in the sense that she's missing. People are worried about it. So yeah, Claire's the first one to die. And basically the it's next so upsetting. day... Yeah, it's a really harsh way. She basically gets put in a... Um, she gets suffocated in plastic and then she gets pulled into the attic and um, put on a rocking chair, but still with this plastic bag on her face. And she's just yeah. sitting there like dead rocking back and forth with this plastic bag and it's a fucking horrible image and she did that for real as well the actress apparently she held her breath and had this bag on and if you see like it's tucked into her mouth but apparently they put like little pencil holes in there so just in case there was like something but apparently she was holding her breath for the same time she's a swimmer or whatever jesus christ for ages but um wow yeah it's pretty impressive i really did find that upsetting (laughs) <laughs> even a hardened old soul like me um like you said she's pre- presented as a little bit uh more girlish and uh and then it's really hammered home in that scene with the dad waiting it's just so yeah. sad and tragic yeah well they kind of make the dad a um tragic figure from the start because he gets like a snowball in his face yeah and um he's like a bit of a He's a bit wet, wet. basically, yeah. Yeah. He's going around and he's like not really sure what to do and he faints or something at one point or um, near the end or whatever. Um, And he's just Just like completely powerless. And it's like, it's these weird... So like the male... um, The role of men in this film is quite interesting because you've got like the boyfriends and the kind of men of that age who seem very like you know, fuck you kind of thing, like, or got a chip in their shoulder the whole time, especially obviously Peter, because he's been set up to like look like the killer. Um, you've got the more paternal John Saxon cop, it's kind of into it. You've got the numpties, which is like the cop and the dad and all this stuff. And then you've got like the, the threat, um, which is the killer. But also like, you'll notice like one point, it's kind of like all men. So like one point they have like one of the search crew come over, they're like, girls, you've got to lock up your doors. And, all this stuff, yeah. and they're like freaked out, and you're freaked out watching it because you're like, "Who the fuck are these two weirdos?" Because now yeah. you're like put on edge because you're like, you're in there with them, thinking like every man is basically a threat at the moment. Um, yeah, and I think that's part part to do with it, but also like with the dad and the fact, you know, there's like 
there's an emasculation here as well and and the idea of like the power lying with uh, the woman um because uh, the big thing and the thing that's supposed to spark peter off and what they do is emotive is that because uh, jess wants an abortion and he's like don't we talk about this and she's like i wasn't even going to tell you like it's my choice kind of thing like it's nothing to do with you kind of thing which i think is a little bit <laughs> <laughs> a little bit out of order you know i think it is worth a discussion with your other half about whether you're going to have an abortion of their baby or not but he's very much like okay cool we'll have the baby and we'll get married sweet and she's like yeah <laughs> what? like chill um and all this stuff and the reason so and there's a couple of theories i have about this dan so stick with me here so there's the fact that um throughout the course of the film with each phone call we have a little bit more mentioned about the Billy character, the murder and what's going on, where this is coming from through the different characters, which is actually his voice or whatever's going on inside his head. And it sounds like, um, and I've read different things about this, but it sounds like his name is Billy. Um, He has a sister, baby sister or something called Agnes, who he seems to be sexually abusing he seems to be abused by his parents or at least physically, not necessarily sexually or whatever, but physically abused or like beaten up and shouted around and all this stuff. Cause they're like, what have you done, Billy? Where's Agnes? You left, left Billy alone with Agnes and all this stuff. Um, so there's something to do with like a baby sister or whatever. I know it's just like nasty, right? Like right into the end and you're hearing these little, and if you watch with subtitles as well, you kind of get a bit more, um, you're able to kind of decipher a little bit more of what's being said. Yeah. Um, but it's all like sexual. It's all like sexually motivated. And it's like, you know, shh, we won't tell and all this stuff. And it's nasty. So there's some for real fucked up shit, which they're not hitting out, which is kind of going on. Um, and the, and the idea of the baby and all this stuff, because if you, um, the way that Billy acts and the things that he does um, are very infantile. So it's almost like he is a child, like he's a child. So now that could be to do with the fact that he's, mentally fucking you know he's got the mental age of a five-year-old or something who knows but um yeah. it could be the fact that it's like um he's reliving this like um thing this sense of murders whatever in his head with like killing his sisters or like killing babies or whatever because a little girl is yeah. murdered in the park you'll notice that the rocking chair with claire on there's a baby in it at one point um yeah he does something mother figure yeah this like little baby figure that he's kind of got going on um oh and that's why he kills the the mother figure and puts her in the corner yeah yeah well exactly she's the mother figure so she dies next she's the maternal figure that dies wherever um yeah and but also i think it's very important the fact that it's like jess is thinking about aborting her baby killing her baby and that there's and i don't want to i'm not going to go into the whole thing of like when is a fetus a baby a human life or whatever but i think it's just that general notion that that there is a baby dying here and that's why they hook it to peter who's like you can't just kill the baby like you're just getting rid of a war and you're seeing that visualization of a baby doll being all this stuff so there's some kind of obsession with like family and babies and all this stuff um i think as well that it's because it's at christmas time there are two things associated with that one that it's a time where the family comes together and it's a time for family so that kind of reenactment of the horrific stuff that's happened to them to billy as a family during this time 
it's probably coming to the fore more. It's probably the time when he kills because it is that time when yeah. a family gets together. And he's probably remembering something maybe specifically that happened at Christmas. Um, I was also thinking, and this is a stretch, that perhaps it's something to do with Christ, baby Jesus and all this stuff, nativity, baby Jesus being born, something like that. The fact that um, Jess is kind of having her baby aborted, like a kind of Mother Mary figure or something like yeah. killing Jesus or something like that. Um, the, and I think throughout the whole of this, there's that loss of innocence, which I think is kind of a big part of it. Um, yeah. And the fact that throughout this entire film and they've got all the funny stuff, all the nice stuff, all the Christmassy stuff, all this, you know, it's such a nice film in theory, if you took out the horror bits, um, <laughs> but it's actually about that loss of innocence, which I found quite interesting. Anyway, so I've talked, I've talked for a lot, but that was kind of the things I was thinking about when I was watching it again, trying to put a bit more of a analytical head on it. Yeah. I think that's a great theory. It didn't strike me at all, but I think whenever you have a, uh, a birth at Christmas in any film or book or something, it's obviously always going to be uh, resonating the link with Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I think I think you're probably spot on there, really. Yeah. Um, Good. <laughs> you mentioned there, <laughs> you know, um, that you think there's some humour in the film. Mm. I think that kind of like undermining of the family unit aspect of... Christmas is maybe where some of that comes through in sort of like a black irony. Mm. Uh, I don't know, were there any other parts of the film that you thought were particularly funny? <laughs> yeah, well, Mrs. Mack, who's the old lady, is kind of like the comic relief, right? She's a bit weird, a bit kooky. She's yeah. like hidden booze everywhere. And she's like, oh, you know, a bit like, oh, matron kind of thing. Um, and so when she's the second to die, and then so when she goes that kind of you've got the loss of the innocent one at the beginning and then you've got the loss of like the comic relief character secondly and you're like yeah okay, fuck like that's a big step no one's safe yeah exactly <laughs> like she was the kind of you know she was kind of not holding it together but she was like okay whenever she came on screen like oh this is quite harmless and something silly is going to happen and she gets fucking yeah. pulled up by a meat hook into like the top <laughs> of the fucking attic and left there um, which is insane. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, um, what else have I got here? There's, there's stuff like, yeah, just general, general jokes, but there was, I don't know, I've put thing, little notes here because I was watching this chronologically. Um, if you notice as well, like Jess is wearing like a sweatshirt with like two hands across her, which looked like, I did notice like actually. But it's also yeah. like almost as if like a stay back kind of thing. I think it's supposed to be like not hands, but like a kind of effect or like some kind of pattern. But it definitely just oh, really? looks like two hands, like yeah, crisscrossing. Um, which I thought like you was said like quite horrible. Like stay back. If they just if they just wore their own clothes, maybe that wasn't a uh, an actual artistic decision. Yeah, true. Maybe it just happened. I don't know. I think it's like oh my god, that. you've worn that fucking pair of hands jumper again. Yeah. That's going to look well shit on camera. Yeah, you've got to wear that for the next few <laughs> Put something few else on. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Um, yeah, again, I've put stuff about the power play, like when Jess is talking to Peter and he's like, I love you. And she just goes, I know. And you're just yeah, like, I know. Oh, fucking hell. Like, she's like treating him mean, keeping him keen. Um, so, so weird. Uh, they've got like, yeah, it's a bit sort of funny as well. It's like they've got Santa comes in. And he's swearing in front of the kids and he's getting annoyed because it's like he's supposed to go away with one of the girls or whatever. 
maybe it's Claire, I don't know. And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake and shit. And he's got these kids. I don't even know why they've got kids there, to be honest. I don't know what's going on. It's really weird. That was all quite unpleasant, all that, I thought. Especially because the dad's there. and I felt really sick. Yeah, he's, I, like, I he's sick about, he's like, like, I can't find her. And yeah. they're just, all this, no one really seems to care. Um, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff was pretty horrible, especially because she's upstairs. So they've got shots of, like, at one point, him and the and Mrs. Mac get into, like, a cab. And you see it through yeah. the window and it pulls back. And there's the, there's the fucking daughter just there with still with the plastic over her head just sitting there in the window yeah. and you're just like it's horrible oh, it's just fucking horrible she's just up there and they're going along like trying to look um like to go off and look for her yeah i didn't i didn't like that um and i, I mean i did like it but i didn't i didn't, I didn't yeah. like it but i did like it i didn't like it but at the same time i absolutely loved it um <laughs> and it's cool because you're kind of like following this kind of like detective thing because it's kind of like a whodunit like you want to know yes who is doing this but at the same time, you are, you know, everything like, you know, apart from who it is, you know, absolutely everything. So every time they're like, oh, okay. Oh, is it this person? Oh, we can trace the phone call and blah, 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 and all this stuff. You're like, oh, they're getting closer and closer to what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is quite interesting. But um, yeah, Peter as well, the guy that plays Peter is, re- I thought he was really good. Like that bit where he's um, having to play the piano and he's like doing this really like manic, crazy, he's like sweating and shaking and all this stuff. And it's just, again, like someone that looks like unhinged, not necessarily yeah. a killer, which we kind of come to later. Um, but yeah, just the fact that... Having some that, emotional problems. Yeah, exactly. And like um, <laughs> that whole scene, I was like, it was really awkward to watch because it's he keeps moaning about how it's like really important to him and the fact that he's stressing out um, about you know, your reasoning is that he's found out that he's about to have a kid and then he's in the same breath, he's found out that she wants to get it aborted and it's like all this yeah. stuff kind of going on in his head. But at the same time, you're just like, uh, he looks like a killer at this moment. He literally looks like he's killing, <laughs> he's killing the piano. Um, yeah, and at the same point, like, you, there's a shot after he kills Mrs. Mac where Billy's like going crazy in the attic and it's quite similar, this like kind of frenzied smashing and crashing um, and all that, yeah. which you've seen Peter do when he like destroyed the piano. So you're kind of yeah. linking it up um, a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, what other bits? What bits did you find funny, Dan? Funny? Oh, God. Um, or just generally interesting? Um, before I it's just that. Going. It's just that tone, I think. Like I said, you know, it's that black, deeply black kind of irony of contrasting this with the Christmas season. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, there's some characters that bring light relief. Mm. Um, Did you know all that snow was fake in the whole film? I wouldn't have. How do you make fake snow? No, there's, you, you can, well, I've done it before actually on shoots, but it's essentially like, it's like a powder. It's a bit of a nightmare. You don't want to get it wet either, really. Um, <laughs> It, it it can be annoying but um yeah i don't know what it was back then it's probably asbestos or something um <laughs> something like that happy it's, christmas yeah um and we should say like so um they kind of breeze over on purpose a fact of like oh the house mother which is mrs mag has a phone but you know oh he, he he dismisses it like oh it's um like when they're chasing the phones oh yeah don't worry about her phone like whatever it's like it's a whole separate line and then moves on to something else. So they've kind of planted that seed in your head 
without um, making a thing of it. They dismiss it as soon as they've said it on purpose. Um, because that was so they, subtle, it didn't register with me. No, <laughs> well, because that's how he's saying? calling from inside the house. Is that the reason why uh, they're linking the number, they say it's from inside the house, isn't that he's... Because obviously if you're on the same line and you pick up the phone and someone yeah. else picks up the phone, you're just... You don't need to call anyone. You don't, you're not reading yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah. So what happened is the She's house... She's got a separate line. Yeah, so there's a separate line which the house mother uses, which is where he's calling from to call the house phone. Um, gotcha. I mean, to say, like, we should... We, like, the film opens basically with him sneaking into the house as well. Um, yeah. So from a POV of the killer. So yeah. immediately, you know, like, he's in the house um, from the start. So all these calls he's making is from the room upstairs. He's never... We never see him not be in the house, apart from when he's obviously outside going in, if that makes sense. Um, and some and that, a late point in the film... Um, when they find one of the cops dead in his car. So you you don't see it, but obviously he's snuck out. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I thought that was pretty bold for him. Like, I know, like, the whole thing's bold for a killer or whatever, but I didn't expect that policeman to be dead. Like, when it did the slow pan up, I was like, oh, fuck, the cop's dead. Even watching it again, like, the other day, it's like, oh, the cop's dead. I didn't actually yeah. remember that, but it's like... Doesn't doesn't fit the killer's MO. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because it's a man for a start, but I was like, well, I guess he's... You have to get rid of the threat. Uh, yeah, I think that was else. just a, a, a plot and a shocker thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... So yeah. shall we um shall we talk about the end because that's yeah, kind of like the yeah, most interesting kinda, bit really yeah we're kind of getting yeah we're, we're kind of getting to the end so like the whole like okay. last forty five minutes is pretty much minute for minute if that makes sense it's happening I feel like almost in real time because yeah. um Phyllis Phil or whatever who was originally going to be played by um oh God what's her name the Saturday Night Live actress who wasn't famous here but um she was famous there for doing saturday night live but whatever I can't, i'll come on to it i think a bit written down somewhere who dies off screen when she goes to check in on barb um once she's dead you realize that olivia's like in the house by herself and when they do the trace so she gets the call because phyllis is dead she gets the final yes. call and she's told to like stay on the line for as good as we can so we can trace it and then um john saxon like calls up the dumb cop and he's like 
make sure you get Jess out of the house. Just tell her to put down the phone, walk outside, walk down the road. Like, do not look back kind of thing. Like, just keep going. Don't fuck this up. Yeah, don't fuck this up. <laughs> and she, he's, that's what he says. And then when he calls when he calls her and she's like, and he's like, okay, just listen. We need to put down the phone and just walk outside the front door and just go. And she's like, he's like, <laughs> she's like, okay, I'll go get Barbara Phil. It's like, no. And he's like, it's really like, no, no, listen to me, whatever. And this, put down the phone and go out. It's like, right, what's happened? And he immediately, he's like, he's in the, the killer's in the house. <laughs> the killer's in the house. And she's like, huh? <laughs> and then when she's, and then there's this really cool bit where she like calls out Barb and Phil and she gets more and more distressed. And it really like, it's fucking difficult to watch because at the same time, it's cutting to shots of like the empty rooms and the empty hallways and the empty staircase. And you're not sure if you're looking at a POV or if it's a normal shot. You just you yeah. don't know. Um, and I think the final Very one... disorientating. Yeah, it's disorientating. And there's a final shot, which is just feels like slightly covered, where it's like a slither of where you see the stairs. And then you're like, okay, well, that's feels like it's someone hiding. So that must be him. That whole bit is fucking cool. So she gets a, um, what do they call it, by the fire, like a poker thing. Poker. And um, yeah, and she uh, um, kind of makes her way upstairs and sees um, the bodies basically lying um, on top of each other or whatever. And you're like, get out of the house. Yeah, exactly. And then what you realise is he's like, he's behind her in the door, behind the door going, don't tell Agnes. And you have a shot just of his eye, like looking through, and it literally makes me feel sick, sick right now. That's horrible. Talking about it and thinking about it, it's fucking disgusting. So she pushes the door, and he like goes into this like fucking frenzy, and he all you see is like his hands and his arms coming off, like going on screen from off screen, I should say. And he's like pulling her hair, trying to like get her down. She runs to the basement. She's trying to hide. He's trying to get in, and then you see someone creeping around on the outside of like where this. And it's not, you know, his basement, whatever it is. And it's Peter and he like calls and he's like, hey, what's going on, honey? And then it cuts to outside because you're like, oh, fuck, what's happening? Um, the cops turn up, they go down and they come in and you see both of them. You think they're both dead at first. Peter is lying in her lap and she's looking up. Again, there's this mother-son image. It's this thing of like, the female taking care of the male kind of thing. There's just something maternal kind of going on here. And then she's like, like she's still awake. So she's killed Peter and you don't know what happened from that bit where he's like, Hey, what's going on to like them being dead. All you heard was some screaming. So you're not sure. There's also the, um, let's go back to the Jesus Christ Mm. aspect of this film. The Lapietta of Mary with the dead body of Christ in her lap. You're right, yeah. Didn't even think that, about that. That's sort of imagery right. yeah. there. It's a good point. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's a really good reference. Um, yeah, true. Like a mother and a, and a child, yeah. Um, Mary but specifically and, Mary specifically with the... Yeah, that. Mary, you know, I don't know if that ties into like the whole abortion thing. But it's like with the dead Jesus mm. figure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and then basically it kind of has this nice soft uh, ending where it's like it kind of has a nice like slow fade and she's on a she's on the bed and she's sitting there and she's surrounded by people and they're like talking about the logistics of it oh we've got to tell these people we've got to get whatever it's like oh when will she wake up oh she's not going to wake up for at least four or five hours so yeah. and they're like oh okay there's reports downstairs come on let's all and they take the guy out the guy's fainted we can't believe it was peter he was yeah. such a nice guy exactly. like, oh, <laughs> peter. yeah basically 
And then they're like, oh, um, yeah, we th- we've cleaned the house or whatever. Um, the morgue said they can't, they've never had to take this many bodies before, so they don't know what to do. And so you're thinking in your head, like, okay, yeah, there's, of course there's loads of bodies, you've just seen everyone die. And they're like, okay, well, they need to do it, whatever. So there's all this, like, hustle and bustle basically going on. There's lots of activity and you feel a bit safe because you're like, okay, there's loads of people around now, it's fine. And it's like, okay, let's yeah. leave her alone. Then very quickly, everyone starts leaving the lights go off. Someone comes up and says, it's obviously like, come on, get out of here. Come on. We've got to get, we've got to get out. Like, okay. And then I think it was um, Claire's boyfriend who we only saw briefly. Who's like wearing, wearing this big fur coat, like a woman's fur yeah. coat, even though he's like a guy um, <laughs> comes out and he says something, what does he say? He says something like, Oh, don't says to the dad, like, Oh, don't worry. She's, she's going to be back in no time. And you think like, and that you as the audience are like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, she's, they know she's dead. Like, she's dead. What's he, like, oh, maybe the dad, they haven't told the dad yet or something. Yeah. And then, and this is, oh my God, I love this. It's just beautiful filmmaking. It has the shot of her lying on the bed as the lights start to like go off around the house or whatever. It's just focused on her now. Keep in mind, it's outside the door. So we're in looking at the frame of the door, like literally um, observing like what's going on. Like we have been doing with the killer, keep in mind. And then it's just completely still and you're hearing all this stuff kind of going on. It's just her lying there very quietly. And you hold on that for like, I think a good minute. It feels like it's probably only about 20 seconds, but it feels like a long time. And then the camera slowly turns and it goes to the bed of what I believe is Barb. And you see like the blood stains on the mattress and you're like, okay. Turns again to what was Claire's room, who we started with. Remember, it's got her toys in. Yeah, None of her stuff has like changed. And then it goes to the ladder leading up to the attic. Oh God, it's sending me chills just, just thinking about it. And you see like, and it just has this space and any film that does that where it just shows you like a space that feels like it needs to be filled. I mean, that's yeah. where like something like paranormal activity really worked. It's because it was showing you empty space that you were filling with your imagination and it wasn't anything, it was just mm. empty space. So by having that and you're just waiting for something to come out or something to happen in this thing, then all of a sudden you see like some shadow moving and then it, I think like a light goes on in like a split second, it cuts and you're in the attic again and you see the bodies are still up there and no one's got them. You see Mrs. Mac still hanging there on the meat hook and you've got, you've got Claire with um, the bag still like over her face, staring out the window and then it cuts to like a slow transition fade. It's like outside the house now and she's literally there looking out the window and it pulls back and the very, very, this is all happening very, very, very slowly. It pulls back and you just see like a cop smoking a cigarette or something out the front. The whole house is dark. And then the credits go up and as the credits go up, you hear the phone ring. And that's the end. Yeah. Amazing. It's like, uh, it makes me feel so weird because it is just like the perfect, perfect fucking ending. Oh, you also hear him say something like, in the attic, like, oh, Agnes, or something like that, just to confirm that, He's still, he's still hiding up there, yeah. So the idea is it's, basically he's gone within the moment where we're putting back, he's gone down and he's fucking killed Jess and he's doing the phone call afterwards. Um, yeah. Which is, and you've made up that end of the film. That's an end of the film that exists in your head only. Um, yeah. But it exists nonetheless. Um, God, fuck. It's brilliant. Such and it's sickening film. because you feel like it's so tragic because it was so easily avoidable i think that's yeah. part of it for me is why yeah, she it's survived so it it's like final disgusting kind of thing and it's like you know instead of doing like a carry like hand out of the grave 
like, oh, it's still there. She'll be scarred forever kind of thing. The slow burn and the slow realisation of what is happening is the creepiest thing about it. It's the same feeling I get when they kill that guy at the end of Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Where you're like, he made it through all this and then it's just like stupid, like stupid human error. Yeah. Ends up getting him killed and I just just feel sick to my stomach. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Horrible Um, ending, but uh, yeah, great, powerful. Yeah, it's and that shot of shot of Claire staring out the window still, and you're like, how how still has no one seen her? You can see her like really clear as day. Yeah, just yeah. at the top of the top of the house, just sitting there. Yeah. Um. Right, Dan. Let's take let's take a break, and then we can get into a bit more on the facts and all this stuff a bit more um, on the film itself. Right. So, Dan, here's some uh, little tidbits of information on the film, which I think you might find interesting. Um, So the composer of the film's score was Carl Zittra. I think I'm saying that right. Uh And apparently he did a lot of the film's um, music by tying forks and combs and other knives and stuff onto the strings of piano to warp the sound. Um, Oh, cool. He'd also uh, sometimes record a lot of the sounds onto tape and slow it down, which is why it sounded a bit strange. Um, apparently also, uh, he would, um, the tapes were, um, a mixture basically of, um, uh, an actor, um, uh-huh. called, uh, uh, Nick Mancuso, I think his name was, um, the director, um, also, uh, I think Carl Sitra appeared himself as well. Um, and there's a few other uncredited performers who kind of went into this like mix of the of noises and cacophony during the phone calls. Um, okay. And uh, apparently, the um, Nick Mancuso, who was doing the, the main voice, I guess, of Billy, um, he would often perform the calls upside down um, <laughs> and standing on his head. So it apparently, compressed the, compressed sorry the thorax, which made it just sound that bit more strained and weird. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. It's a good, good tip for anyone planning on doing any... Yeah, just weird stuff, just experiment. Weird phone see calls. Can, see what you can do with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, what else, what else? Um, Betty Davis was going to be the house mother originally. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she couldn't She couldn't have done it. Oh, um, she'd have been great. Yeah, That'd have been, been so great. good. Uh, she was not the the I think the woman who I can't remember her name, which is awful, but she was a veteran actress, I believe. But um, she did. She was good. Too, but um, I love Betty Davis, though. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Um, so apparently, I'm just going to kind of uh, um, say this almost verbatim because I just want to make sure I get it right. But um, the cop basically um, was uh, Lieutenant Kenneth Fuller. Um, apparently Clark, the director, originally wanted Edmund O'Brien um, to play that part. The Radiohead? And, huh? Ed O'Brien from Radiohead? No, I don't know who that is. EOB? No, oh, we were talking about him earlier. No, that's weird, isn't it, though? Edmund O'Brien. Um, and apparently, like, when he turned up in Canada to do the film, um, apparently, I shouldn't laugh, it's horrible, but apparently O'Brien... I couldn't remember where he was and they were at a restaurant um, eating and apparently mm. 
Brian got up and was and thought that he was like at his hotel. I was like, I'm going to go back up to my hotel room. And they were like, we're not at the hotel. Um, so they started getting like really worried. And basically it was yeah. Alzheimer's. It was um, starting to get into his head and he basically couldn't do it. Um, and apparently it was really, uh, they were, you know, the director and all this stuff were worried that um, the producer, you know, what would happen when they're like getting him to do like night shoots and all this stuff and remembering his lines and, you know, taking him out into the cold and all this. And they were like, yeah, we can't, um, we can't do this. And so, um, yeah, so they sat him down and, uh, yeah, apparently like it was very emotional because it was one of those things where it was just like, you know, career's over basically. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't do this because you're fucked essentially. Um, yeah, so they gave it to John Saxon and um, literally he pretty much landed in Toronto and went straight into wardrobe to start shooting. It was that quick. Um, and they were saying that basically if John um, uh, if John Saxon hadn't said yes and been able to do it like immediately, they probably would have not been able to shoot the film. Wow. Um, yeah, that was how last minute it was. So, yeah, uh, that was quite interesting. So good old John Saxon saving the day again. Um <laughs> I guess like one big thing we should talk about is Halloween. Um, yeah. So it started, so this was kind of the first real thing which had that kind of um, first person, uh, you know, POV of the killer kind of like walking around the house and stuff, which is basically how Halloween starts. Um, so Clark and John Carpenter um, were friends. <clears throat> okay. And uh, they were actually working um on a, a project together, um, which never happened. But um, basically Carpenter one day said uh, to Clark that, oh, I really love Black Christmas um, and I really want to make a sequel or like a companion film. And um, Clark was like, eh, I don't really want to do that. Like I've done it, I've been there, I'm all right. Yeah. Um, but here's what I think you should do if you were going to do something like that. And uh, he, he was basically like, if you're going to do like a sequel you should do it that he was like that Billy whoever was captured and put in an institution and then escapes and um, goes back to the town where he's ha. from. Um, but no one there knows it yet. And uh, yeah. And, um, and, uh, and make it happen on Halloween or something like that. And that's what he told John Carpenter and John Carpenter went and made and did exactly, exactly that. that. Yeah. And Amazing. Um, but apparently Clark has said, like, and I quote, he deserves the full expansive credit he's gotten for doing that movie. A few words about an idea are hardly a screenplay and a finished movie. Yeah, um, nice. Nicely is, said that. Yeah, which is fair enough. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, Halloween got a lot of the praise, whereas this Black Christmas, um, it's kind of more of a cult thing. Um, yeah. And I would say Black Christmas is a probably a better movie. I think it's definitely a better movie, actually, when I think about it. And I do really like Halloween. But if you look at it, like the fact that it has like, you see, you don't know what he, the Halloween killer looks like or anything. He's got the mask on, but there's that bit. If you remember in the Halloween film where you see like a little bit of his face and he's just like a normal yeah. guy, there's a bit of that with like the slither of the eye in Black Christmas. You know, I suppose that's wardrobe. before uh, those conventions were developed. So I've seen a lot of people say that like, this is the, first like slasher film yeah. although i've then also seen people say no that's not true there are some before then that you kind of like yeah i mean a case could, for. yeah exactly like there's an evolution of it definitely but yeah. this is um yeah this was definitely like one of the first to kind of 
uh, of that genre to make it a thing, basically. Um, like everyone, Halloween is always like seen as like the quintessential first actual slasher movie. Yeah. And I think that's kind of fair enough. Um, but I think Black Christmas definitely paved the way for it to reach there. And it's cool that you can Conflict see it as like a, like a prequel. Well, a sequel, be a sequel. Oh, you're sequel. talking about Black Christmas being the prequel. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That you can kind of read it as that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, a few other things. So you notice that this takes place in uh, Bedford and that's not Bedford of Bedfordshire in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's supposed to be a play on Bedford Falls, which okay. is the city in It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, um, so there's a little yeah. nod to that. Um, nice. And then, yeah, I read somewhere, but I don't know if this is true or not, but legend has it that this was Elvis Presley's favourite horror movie and he watched <laughs> it every Christmas um, and that some and that the family still to this day watch it in his memory, but if that was true, then he only would have been able to watch it three times until he died. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. That. So it's like can't, can't be a tradition, really, can it? So um, yeah, I like the idea that this is like Elvis's favorite like horror film. Um, apparently, there was also I haven't got it written here, but I did read it somewhere that um, for like Roxanne, the Steve Martin um, version. Uh, what's the name, Olivia Hussey, um, yeah. met Steve Martin. Apparently Steve Martin was like, I'm a big fan. You're in one of my favourite films of all time and all this. And uh, she was expecting him to say Romeo and Juliet. He was like, no, Black Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, right, okay, weird. So she kind of <laughs> understood that, um, you know, there's kind of a cult following. Weirdly as well, apparently the only reason she took the film was because a psychic had told her that there would be like a Canadian film coming up that would prove really popular and she should take it and she did Whoa. based on the advice of a psychic yeah it's weird isn't it that's cool man oh, i should start seeing psychics more yeah exactly um yeah so i think it's was silent night deadly night or it might have been silent night evil night something like that um uh yeah I, i've seen it two different ways but i still think it's kind of called black christmas um that's what it's kind of known as uh so, but yeah, and as I said, that's kind of the black exploitation thing, um, and that's kind of it. I don't think I've got any more um, info on it, but um, yeah, it's uh, a well put together movie, and um, I think it's some really like top class uh, directing going on in there. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's kind of usually um, skirted past; like not many people pay that much attention to it. Uh, I think they showed some great performances in there, great characters. I love the fact that it's like, it tries to put you at ease with its like really comic, like lighthearted, like comedy of errors almost approach when it's got a really dark, mm. horrible, sinister, dirty, nasty fucking underbelly um, that has this like one of the most ugh, disturbing endings um, ever. Uh any any more you want to kind of uh, add add to that? Yeah, um, I I really like the film. I love that he stuck to his guns on that ending of not revealing the killer. Like you say, it's got that sort of who done it element. And I suppose a lot of uh, audience uh, audiences would expect to have that resolved. Yeah, um, but that's quite a sort, of, sort of childish attitude, really, isn't it? To take you expect that that payoff, um, but you actually get something more memorable. Probably, you know. Uh, more more sickening yeah <laughs> in that way kind of uh more satisfying yeah um it'd be too easy if it was peter it's like it sets you up for it 
Like the whole point is it's a fucking red herring. And even like until the end, I mean, there's like, there's little things. And I get that like, so for instance, at one point during the film, they go, you know, this is the only door that's got a lock on in the whole house. Um, I don't know if you remember that. And after those two weirdos turn up, and then, uh, oh yes, so yeah, when she's remember. when she's trapped in the basement or whatever, and thingy um, Peter's like looking around, looking inside and down. It's like, well, how would he know that she's in there if he could just walk through the front door? Like, it's not the first place he'd like go because surely he can just walk in if that's the only door that's locked. He would just walk in. You're not going to kind of peek around the basement. You're going to try and go through the basement door first or whatever. Um, and I can see those little things where people are just like, yeah, it was Peter. And they've just like, they just, you know, wanted to suddenly make it like ambiguous at the end for no reason. And I'm like, no. Exactly. Was, you know, it was never about, it's not about Peter. It's not actually about one person, really. It's more what Billy kind of embodies more than anything. That's it. And a lesser director might have caved into pressure to you know, give you something at the end, maybe some, you know, some twist. It was another character. It wasn't um, Peter, but it was some other character in the mix or or even that they just like show you Billy on screen. Yeah. You know, but he resisted all of that bullshit and (laughs) gave that that way creepier ending. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that especially I think people who've seen Halloween and, go back and watch this. I think they do have that expectation of the conventions of the slasher genre. And that seems to be uh, what causes some of the, the, the negative responses mm. uh, that I've seen in the, uh, in the reviews. Yeah. Should we go there? Reviews. I hate it. Well, he's going to make your blood boil, Sam. Oh God. And then, one star out of ten. Fuck off. Fuck Lump. you. <laughs> this review is titled Lump of Coal. This is a real letdown. The movie goes on and on, but it really doesn't say much. It does have a good cast and that helps, but it makes you wonder where the hell were they... Oh, yeah, sorry, this is right. What the hell were they think when they agreed to star in this snooze? It's long, it's boring. We never learn the identity of the killer or or his motive. Good. Near the end of the movie, the guy who was nothing but a saint is killed (laughs) and takes the fall for the killings. (laughs) The real killer is still lurking about the house and they never found the one girl who was killed with the plastic bag. Good thing the police did such an intense search of the house. This is a stupid bad ending. I just pray the remake fixes the stupid ending of this crapper and I hope the stars remove it from their resume. I give it the lump of coal. What a fucking idiot who completely misses the point on everything. <laughs> this People one... like that just shouldn't be allowed to watch films. <laughs> uh, Sorry, shouldn't say that. You'll like this one more. This guy gave it three out of ten. So he, he likes this... A little bit more. Three times as much as the last guy. Right. A cheap Canadian candy cane. Okay. I'm not sure why a lot of people like this film. I didn't think it was all that great. Also known as Silent Night, Deadly Night, 
directed by Bob Clark of Porky's fame. This one involves psychotic killer who hides in the attic and starts killing off all the girls one by one. I say girls because most of them look over 30 instead of 20, especially Margot Kidder as the slutty one with the foul mouth. My God. To be fair, Olivia, what's her name, had just had her first child when she was in this, if you believe Oh, really? Wow. She still looks like fucking 12 in it or whatever. But, <laughs> um, yeah, she's already a mum by this point. Sorry. Yeah, carry on. The film does just fine until the last 15 minutes or so when Olivia Hussey goes upstairs to look for her friends and doesn't follow police instructions to leave the house. What a dumb bitch. Anyone who's that dumb deserves to be killed. Deserves to be killed as well. Such a fucking, <laughs> such a strong fucking reaction. I don't. I'm getting a bit annoyed about this already. Okay. Any um, any others? They all keep. They keep coming. They keep coming. And why do um, you hate it? Why is it so divisive? Sorry. One um, one star from David on Amazon. Off. One star. <laughs> Think about all the history of the of every film ever been made and it's saying that it's like the worst this is the worst <laughs> one star uh, one. one star it doesn't mean it's he thinks it's the worst film ever so you might have a, a, a if i made a whole film spate of other of ones me doing a shit on the floor <laughs> that would get one out of ten that'd get one star <laughs> because it exists it would just get one it's on par with black christmas uh. <laughs> So, funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, David's review mm. wasn't very good at all, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. I love it. I love it. That's not really an opinion. You you've barely expressed anything, David. <laughs> it's not an opinion. Right. Fuck off. Dear. Um L. Bradbury, one star. Black Christmas. What a load of old tosh. I was sat on the edge of my seat. Don't get me wrong, but it was for all the wrong reasons. I had read the reviews. People were scared to death when they watched this film. Great, I thought. I haven't seen a good scary movie for years. I was sat on the edge of my seat, willing it to hurry up and get some action going. In the end, I lay back on the sofa and waited for the end to come. <laughs> drove him to suicide. <laughs> um, uh, sorry. <laughs> this is good. I lay back on the sofa and waited for the end to come. on the sofa and waited for the end to come so I could go to bed. My my cat's running around the bedroom upstairs when it's dark, scare me more than this pathetic attempt at making a horror film. My advice is don't buy it unless you want to be bored to death or you really haven't got anything better to watch. In fact, 
Put a coat of paint on the wall and watch it dry. That may be more interesting. <laughs> uh, I find oh. people so extreme. Such extreme. Why do people have such extreme emotional reactions to everything? <laughs> why is everyone like, <sighs> like? It has to be the worst thing. So let me get this straight. He gave it three stars. No, sorry, that was another one star. I was going to say. Um, so like, there's more. They keep coming. These one star reviews. Right. I've got one star here. Uh, rubbish. Uh, switched it off. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really like this menu screen. Isn't very entertaining. Yeah, And um, this is the last one. My favourite oh, one. Right. Okay. This is from a user on Amazon called. Order cancelled. Okay. One star. Terrible movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is so good. This is right. This is the, the, the name of the review. <laughs> One star. Terrible movie. Terrible refund. <laughs> this is great. Okay, right? this is ter- why is a terrible refund? <laughs> you, you wait. Okay. You wait and uh, you go, oh, right. Need to ratchet up the drama in this one. This is an ancient movie that is listed <laughs> as a collector's edition, but there is nothing special about it. First, we received this movie and it was not packaged like most movies. No plastic wrap. Keep this in mind because it is important in a minute. <laughs> Is that in it? Is that you saying it? <laughs> no, that's what he's written. Right. Yes, we did watch it and it was horrible. No plot, no conclusion to the story. It made no sense at all. After realising there was nothing collector about this edition and wondering why this old turd was $25, we decided to return it. It cost $4 to ship back. <laughs> Even... <laughs> Even though I'm a Prime member. (laughs) And they only refunded us $13 because it was not returned in its original packaging. (laughs) You know, the packaging that it did not come with. Yes, we did watch it. (laughs) But I'm just saying, we can't return it in a condition it did not come in. Okay. Fine. (laughs) So basically, they, they watched the film. Can you do that? I'd find it weird. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think back, like, to the point where it's like, if you watch a film and you don't like it, you just go, I want a refund. But you've watched the film. Yeah, but I want it. It's done now. <laughs> I've watched it and I didn't like it. It's like, well, tough. You should have rented it before you bought it. I don't know. I love how, he, I love how he's complained about it in this review. It's amazing. Yeah, that is great. I love how he's like, no plastic wrap. Keep this in mind because it's important in a minute. <laughs> when it's absolutely not... I thought he was going to make an, like a, a connection with like the girl Claire in the plastic bag or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, he's just going to gripe and moan. Yeah, it's important to him. So. <laughs> and that's about it. Oh uh, man, that's good. Um, cool. Should we uh, go into Nerd's Corner then? Yeah, let's do it. So it's cool. You mentioned Carl Zitra. And that you pronounced his uh, name before I had to do it. I did. Um, I took a look at the soundtrack and 
it's really interesting, actually, because, like you say, it seems like he was quite experimental in his, his approach. Um, and for some reason, um, it was basically thought that the master of this was lost. Right. Uh, the, the, for the score. And actually, I've seen some people saying there never was a master or something because of the way he, he put it on tape, that he layered the music directly onto the 35mm film. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so for whatever reason, basically, yeah, master was was lost. Hmm. Um, but basically, somehow, Carl Zitra did some research and, and tracked down versions of these recordings. Right. Um, so yeah, so the soundtrack was never released at the time, but in 2016, um, he did this project with Waxwork uh, Records, who yeah. do a lot of like horror soundtrack reissues and things. Right. And rather than doing a normal like soundtrack or score, he took all the elements from the film. So some of those like weird like bits of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um some of the like, like creepy ambient music, some of the Christmas music. Mm. And he basically cobbled it into like two tracks. Right. So side A of the LP is called Silent Night and side B is called Evil Night. Oh, uh, right. There we go. Okay. But yeah, each side's like a kind of mashup of all the audio that you hear in the movie. That's cool. So yeah, it's cool. A cool just like different approach to doing it. Yeah. And creating yeah. like... Another kind of like piece of art, I suppose, like a bit of an experience rather than just sitting down and listening to the normal soundtrack. Mm. Um, so yeah, that came out in 2016. There was a, a clear vinyl, but uh, like the, the best looking one is uh, clear with red splatter. That's what you really want. Oh, yeah, that sounds. That looks vile. It really does look like someone's just dropped a little blood in the middle of it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, worth tracking down. I think um, seems to go for about twenty. Five quid on average. Okay. Yeah. That's that's not too bad. No, not if you're a fan. New listening experience. I am a fan. It's something I wouldn't mind um, picking up in the future, whatever. Um, Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that is Nerd's Corner. That's Nerd's Corner. Um, I think that's it, right? Another thing you say, that Bob Clark, um, yeah, I think he died in a car crash. uh, a few years back as well, but um, it's a shame because you've got um, yeah, obviously John Saxon died recently. Margot Kidder um, died a few years back. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a shame that the 2019 remake was supposed to be awful. But I'm I'm probably going to try and seek that out and watch that. Um, we should do it for the channel. Yeah, because I thought I'd like to see it now. Yeah, I know it got absolutely lambasted, but. Um, <laughs> I think it's worth seeing like what they uh, kept, what they kind of got rid of, and yeah, what they what they would have done with the ending if they would have kept something. But I don't know. I always feel like they they try and ratchet up the intensity to eleven, and it kind of it has that maybe more of an initial shock, but it doesn't linger in the mind. These things mm. like the originals do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, well, I guess that's it. Uh, a merry Black Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas, one and all. Um, and what's going to be our first show of 2021? Oh, Dan, that is a very good point. Well, we've done... It's time for a game this time round. 
So, um, oh, pontoon, perhaps. Oh God, <laughs> shoot me in the arsehole. Did you see that? You know, there's that. Um, we, I don't know if you know or not. There's this film called The Queen's Gambit or whatever. It's a chess film. Um, uh, no, it's on Netflix at the moment. It's got what's the name in Anya Taylor Joy or whatever. Um, who's in the the witch, the witch? Um, apparently, chess has just like taken off since that film. Everybody wants to learn chess. That's great. It's weird, isn't it? So yeah, it is. It is yeah. Uh, honestly, people, people, people. So Dan, the game that we will be doing. Uh, it's you. I don't know if this is. You might have this. Basically, I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'm not sure if it's on your Mega Drive thing. Yes. Uh, Earthworm Jim. Yeah. Such a groovy guy. Earthworm oh, Jim. yes. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, so we'll be doing the first episode of 2021, I guess, will be Earthworm Jim. And Brilliant. for people that don't know what Earthworm Jim is, it was a... I think it was only released on Mega... I only had the Mega Drive one. Was it released on SNES as well? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I just think of it as a Mega Drive, like a late-era Mega Drive platform game. And it was one of those games that just looked fucking great. It was cool animation, really colourful, really clever. um, Good humour. Yeah, some great humour. And they did a TV series of it, if people remember that. Maybe we can talk about that on the Nerds Corner Pit. Um, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it might be on the Mega Drive pack. It is. Mega Drive Mini. It's on the Mega Drive Mini. Okay, cool. It's one of the built-in games. Great, so we can kind of um, try and play through that uh, and see how it goes. Um, So that's it. Earthworm Jim is going to be the next one. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoy Black Christmas, and I hope you all have a great Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. keep, Keep on being odd forever because it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) I need to think of a better slogan but um, yeah bye everyone hey guys thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming if you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 